This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 111 of Small Talk. Your hosts, Michelle Smallman and Steve Cerruti, are here with you. And Cerruti, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, mainly Bravo-related, which you know I have been waiting for for years. I've been waiting for years for you to watch a Bravo show and for us to dissect it in the manner in which we're going to do it today. But before we get to that, give me some updates. What's new in your life? Uh, I went to an actual movie theater. What's Whoa. up? I did. Uh, I went and saw Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie, a couple weeks That's late, right. obviously very on brand for your boy. Mm-hmm. It was great. I love the movie. It is not for everyone for sure. I think you would hate it specifically. Probably. It's about time travel in a way, people moving backwards in time while other people are moving forward. Robert Pattinson's in it. He's really, really good. Denzel Washington's son, who I didn't even know that guy was his son, is the star of the movie. Oh, wait, really quick. Was he the one that was in Ballers? I have no idea. I've, never, yeah. I've not seen Ballers. Not for I me. Not a big he, rock guy. Shocker. I think, fun fact, that he at one point played for the St. Louis Rams and then switched to acting and was in Ballers. Wait a second. I have to look this up now. Oh, yeah, You're, I'm telling you. I forget his name. I think it's John David Washington. Tom, yeah, John David. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Hold that's on. him. I met him in Bristol. He came for a car wash for Ballers, and I had remembered him because when he was with the Rams, Denzel came to a game. Keep it. Listen, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I will remember random facts about St. Louis, and this is one of them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. American actor and former running back, played college football at Morehouse College, signed with the St. Louis Rams as undrafted free agent in 2006. Professionally, Washington spent four years as the running back in the UFL's Sacramento Monarchs, or Sacramento Mountain Lions, I should say. (laughs) Then he shifted his career like his father, Denzel to be an actor. He was in Ballers, you were right. He was in Black Klansman, which I knew. And yeah, Christopher Nolan's new film, Tenet. Holy shit, because he came out of no, I didn't, first off, I didn't even know Denzel had kids. And all of a sudden this kid <laughs> is starring in one of my favorite director's movies. So I'm like, holy shit. And now he's a former professional football player. What the hell? What the hell? I know, with the St. Louis Rams, your girl. Knew it all along. So while I don't know anything about Christopher Nolan other than the fact that he like really loves stuff about space and time. Which, um, I mean, come on, as right. do I. Never seen any of the movies. Tried to watch Interstellar on a plane, fell asleep roughly 30 minutes in. A real snooze fest for those of you who want to fall asleep. But I'm so happy that at least I was able to contribute something to the tenant conversation. That's awesome. Okay, so Interstellar is my favorite movie of all time. I know, so and I'm not put trying some, to diss it. Put some respect on Interstellar's name. I recently <laughs> tweeted out my top nine movies. He's made more movies than that, but I'm talking about the mainstream movies, Christopher Nolan's top nine movies. I had Interstellar 1, Inception 2, I had the Dark Knight 3. You've never seen the Dark Knight? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw the Dark. Is that the one with Heath Ledger? Yeah, it's like one of the greatest movies of the last decade. Great movie. Heath, outstanding, RIP. So, yes, I have seen 1.25 Christopher Nolan films. Okay, uh, I had Dunkirk. You haven't seen Dunkirk? I had Dunkirk 4. Amazing World War II movie. Uh, Tom Hardy is in it. Harry Styles. Don't know him. I've never seen one Tom Hardy movie. But you know who he is. You know who Tom Hardy is. If I walked past him on the street, I wouldn't know what he looked like. Bible. Would not know. Hate to say it. Don't want to sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite things of all time. (laughs) And then I had 10 at 5. So it's a very, yeah, just above. He also made The Dark Knight Rises. He made Memento. He made The Prestige, which is a great, you would like The Prestige. It's a great movie. It's about a magician, but it's not a weird nerdy magic thing. It's a really cool movie. Um, Are we talking David Copperfield? 
Kind of, but also in the, it's not in the Middle Ages. It's probably maybe like early 19th century, probably. It's like an older oh, movie. It so we're the, talking like World's Fair type magician. Kind of, yes. I love that. Yes, illusionist, okay. if you will. I read The Devil and the White City. And I know that, I think Scorsese and Leo were going to mm-hmm. do that, which would have been amazing. But I could totally see a magician of that era doing something creepy and me being into it. Definitely. Uh, Christian Bale. It's a great oh, cast. Great, great Bale. cast. Anyway, I say this because... Tenet, awesome movie. I had a great time. It was probably the most complex and confusing movie I've ever watched, but in a good way. Not everyone's going to like it. If you want to go to the movies and you want to just sit there and eat popcorn and not really think and have a couple of laughs and maybe there's a love interest involved, this movie's not for you. It has none of that whatsoever. (laughs) It is all about the plot. It's all about bending time, space, reality. And the acting was really, really good. Robert Pattinson was really, really good. Like most people mm-hmm. think of him from Twilight, which sure. as you said, I've probably seen about 1.25 Twilight movies, all of which were terrible. terrible. And he is totally not that actor in this. And I was really impressed. And then the other thing is actually going to a physical movie theater, Michelle. I wasn't really scared of it. I mean, we sat in the back row. Nobody was really around us. There was obviously social distancing. There was probably only... I don't know, maybe 10 total people in the entire theater. Uh I had my big ass thing of popcorn, a large soda, and I was, that's me, that's heaven for me. I love going to the movies. Like I genuinely, I wasn't listening to a lot of podcasts that people talk about the future of cinema and whether or not everything's gonna come out on Netflix or streaming services in the future, at least in in the immediate future. I'm one of those old school guys. I still love going to the movies. I have so many things to take here. First of all, that is your heaven. Popcorn, dark movie theater, Christopher Nolan movie, yep, a matinee perhaps. I mean, sci-fi, yeah, th- that is your jam. So I'm really happy for you that you had that experience. I would not be afraid to go to a movie theater because after I was on an airplane, I feel like a movie theater would have a lot more space than an airplane for me to yeah. separate from people. So I would be okay with it. I really appreciate that when you did your Christopher Nolan power rankings that you didn't go deep tracks, that you just went <laughs> films that people wouldn't know and appreciate. He's only really made, I think, 11 total feature films, nine of which are major feature films. I didn't do his smaller ones. And all nine, Michelle, are they're blockbusters. He is probably the only director. I mean, I'm sure there are someone's going to be like, oh, what about so-and-so? But I mean, when a Christopher Nolan movie comes out, it's a big fucking deal. It is. Oh, I mean, period. So he's and like he, Michael Bay? Kind of, but Michael Bay films are just a bunch of shit blowing up and no plot. This is a bunch of shit blowing up and then holy shit, you're going to read Reddit threads for like the next, I did. I mean, I watched every single video on YouTube and read every single Reddit thread to try to figure out all the intricacies of the movie because there are so many different weird things. And it's also one of those movies where I, when I watch it the second time, you're going to pick up on so many things you didn't notice the first time. So it's definitely a rewatchable type movie. But again, I understand why it's not for everyone. Sounds lit. So you're telling me it's a Jerry Bruckheimer film. Not even a Bruckheimer. I mean, he, no one is a guy who- I'm being facetious, I'm being facetious. But no one's a guy who like people make fun of because his movies are, they're very specific. They're meant for a specific type of person, that person being me, who, you know, just likes to have a weird theater experience and good acting and a weird plot. I like space, as you mentioned. I like time. I guess I like Robert Pattinson now, who knows? So I had an all around great time with the movie. Well, I'm happy for you that you had that, Steve. Good for you. It was the most normal thing I've done in a while. Well, meanwhile, your girl's over here doing 75 hard. So while you've been enjoying popcorn, relaxing at the movie theater, I've been doing two-a-day workouts and drinking a ton of water. What is the opposite of my enjoyment would be seven, if I was doing 75 hard? The opposite of me enjoying a movie, a Christopher Nolan movie in the theaters is doing 75 hard. I wish you would have done it with me, though, because mm-hmm. I do have a couple people who I know who jumped on the bandwagon, and it's been so great to get equally as miserable texts from them. So uh, we're in this together. We're miserable together. How do you feel? Here's the thing. 
I'm sure you feel good because you're, you're probably eating well, you're exercising a lot mentally, physically, but are you actually happy day to day? Are you loving to wake up and do this every day? Are you saying, oh shit, another day of 75 hard, 69 or 68 days to go? Steve, it's 2020, so no, I'm not happy. That's I'm just true. like, <laughs> generally, well, I'm that's happy. all relative. <laughs> yeah. Are you so relatively happy? Throw another log on the fire for 2020. But several things today, as we're taping this, is October 7th, so it's day seven. I've lost five pounds in seven days, oh, which wow. is a lot for me because I'm small and I a didn't lot have for anybody, but yeah, I'm, it's great. Yeah, but I mean, I don't have a ton of weight to lose, so I'm like, am I gonna get to my goal weight tomorrow and then I could dip out of this? <laughs> And it's back to Chick-fil-A and Crunchwrap Supremes. Let's go. Yeah, not me. It's like a big bowl of pasta and some red wine. Number two, in addition to doing this, I really decided to just torture myself in every way possible. And I gave up coffee. So we're day seven of Michelle with no coffee. And this has not happened, Steve, since college. I mean, since I lived in Italy. And the first few days, I was shake. My hand was shaking. I was fatigued. I had a headache, like I had at the debate. I thought, I'm not going to survive this. I'm going to have to supplement coffee into my day somehow. And now that we're at day seven, I have to be honest with you. I don't know how I'm going to go back to coffee because for no. a w- listen, it's my one true love. We all know this. I live for a great cup of joe. But for a while now, I've been forgetting things. I've been feeling like very cloudy. And I didn't know if it's because I was really tired from the show. You know, I get up really early, all of these things. I wonder if it's because I've just been crazy over caffeinated. My brain's just been overstimulated because now I'm reading things. I'm flying through books. I'm remembering things. I feel like I have way more energy, which is crazy because that's the only reason you drink coffee is to get energy. Well, that's I, not I, I don't know. As someone who does not drink coffee for the caffeine, I just genuinely love the taste. Yeah, well, so do I. I'm also a snob. So I like lattes. I like espresso. I don't really drink regular coffee. I will occasionally, mostly if I'm drinking regular coffee, that's probably going to be nice coffee. But what's so bad about coffee, especially if you're drinking a black? I mean, is it just the caffeine? And if so, drink yeah. decaf. So nothing's wrong with it. You can absolutely have it on 75 hard. I just knew that I was addicted to it. And so this whole thing is a mental challenge. It's about mental discipline. It's about really yeah, removing (laughs) things from your life that are crutches for you. And so I thought, okay, if I'm really going to do this, if wine's out of the equation, coffee definitely has to be out of the equation. It was more to see if I could do it and I've done it. And it's almost like I feel, here's what it is, right? Coffee to me is the St. Louis Cardinals. Love you. Big part of my life. It's It's almost as if water is the Chicago Cubs. And I went to Wrigley and I was like, wow, this was actually kind of great. I kind of like Wrigley, you know, and I feel so guilty and weird. I feel like I'm cheating on coffee. I feel like I'm betraying coffee. I think St. Louis, is it St. Louisans? St. Louisans? Yeah, St. Louisans, yeah. (laughs) St. Louisans. Who listen to this podcast, well, you might have just alienated the group here. You're, you're nah. sitting here complimenting the Cubs over the Cardinals. Not a great look for you. Coffee no, it's is hypothetical. Quick. It's hypothetical. Uh, hypothetical. I, that's what I was going to say. If you, the power of drinking water, I know as I have a water in front of me, I literally right before we taped this, I was like, I need to go get a water because I, I know that I need to drink more water and I don't. And it physically will make you feel better if you just drink water. Here drink we go. more water. It's amazing. <laughs> but I don't do it enough. I don't. And it's like it's our stupid. bodies need it. It's crazy. <laughs> But I'm also one of those people, Michelle, that I don't drink coffee and I don't really even now at this point drink alcohol. Like I don't drink coffee for the caffeine and I don't really drink alcohol to get drunk. I drink them because I like the taste and I want to sip on something. So for me, 
I could give up alcohol. I don't know if I'd be able to give up espresso. I love making a latte at my house or making a cappuccino. And I like the experience of it, having maybe a biscotti on the side, a little almond action. The ones from Trader Joe's are fucking delicious. Oh, I haven't had that. uh, The almond ones at Trader Joe's are phenomenal. Highly recommend. Shout out corner real quick there. And I don't know if I could ever give that up. And I don't think I'd ever want to give that up. But I'm also not dependent on coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a morning show has changed the way that I do. That's another thing too, is how do you, yeah. What, so do you just chug water in the morning? It makes you feel good. You know, what's crazy because I'm working out twice a day and I'm eating clean and I'm drinking all this water. I'm in bed by 1030, 10, 1030. There's no, Ooh, shoot. I binged, you know, from 1030 till midnight, five episodes of Shit's Creek or whatever. <laughs> it's your girl's exhausted. So I feel like my alarm goes off at five and I am bright eyed and bushy tailed ready to conquer the day. It's crazy. Who am I? I am transformed. This is quarantine jelly. She's back. <laughs> God, wait until, if this is me on day seven, wait until day 75. If I make it, I'm going to be insufferable. Well, I almost wonder if it's going to be easier as you go because you're just not even going to know. Easier. It's probably hard in the first couple of weeks, right? But the well, problem is then, do you ever want to go back? I wouldn't want to live 75 hard for the rest of my life. No, 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 no. But so you're going to want a coffee at some point in your life, yes. right? So here's the thing about coffee. It's just to prove to yourself that you can do it. It's not that you want to live your life. Coffee's not the it. boss of you. Coffee's not the boss of me. I'm the boss of coffee. Okay? Let me live my life. Right. Like, let me live coffee. I, I mean, I blonde roast. I love you, but I need to be in control of this relationship. Okay. For a while, coffee was in the driver's seat and it was time Michelle took control. And I think what this is going to do for me is it's going to make me savor those things that much more. On day 76, when I... Okay, here's day 76. I'm bookending the day. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have a beautiful coffee, probably two. And then we're going red wine at it's night. probably going to fuck you up too because it's been a while. Oh, I'm going to be so high throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. That wine, we're going so low. You're going to so be high the entire day. It'll be great. Oh, but it's like once that first sip of that Valpolicella, Steve, once it hits my lips on December 16th, oh, it's going to be beautiful. Beautiful. But yeah, so that's where we're at with that. So 75 right. hard. So it sounds like not that bad. bad. I just hope that I don't quit. I hope that when it gets cold outside and it gets annoying for me to work out outside, that that's not what I let stop me. Because on day seven, I've come up with a pretty easy routine. And it's pretty easy to get most of Like the last thing I need to do is just finish this thing of water and I'm done for the day. You know, it's just easy to cruise through it. But you have to really plan your day. Scheduling is key. I'm telling you right now that there's too much temptation for me. You know me. One of my favorite things in life <laughs> is waking up early on a weekend morning, having a great latte, and sitting on my couch and watching the EPL. And it would be okay. I would still enjoy it without the latte, but the latte is part of the ambiance. It's part of what makes me love the mornings. It's part of what makes me want to get up early and hang out. And it's a great start yeah. to the day. I could never give that up. I couldn't, couldn't do it. I know that. Well. So, you could. You could. I would be miserable, though. You wouldn't want to hang out with that version of Steve. You could do it. You just choose not to. No, no. You would, trust me, you, Maddie, the listeners, I would be even more curmudgeon Steve, and nobody would want to hang out with me. I'd be such a dick. I would be upset. Well, let's keep that coffee on a weekend for you. <laughs> yeah. We don't want that. Okay, well, speaking of the EPL, we're not doing a Foxes update this mm-hmm. week because they lost, so nothing to talk one. about here. Tough game. Tough- Tough game, tough loss. We're only going to praise them because that's what I do. I'm Harriet the Homer. We only want to talk about good things. But I watched the Foxes for you. You could not complete your three games of St. Louis Cardinals baseball watching for me. But we've altered the course. You have watched Below Deck Med for me because I said, all right, there's two things I love. 
St. Louis sports and Bravo. And I knew that you love boats, you love yachts, you love the sea, you love maps, you love travel. Love the Mediterranean. You love the Mediterranean. They're in Spain and below deck med this season. Shout so out I Mallorca. knew, yeah, shout out Mallorca, that if we were going to get you on board, no pun intended, with a Bravo show, <laughs> below deck is for you. So we know that they are further into the season. We are going to binge watch the rest of the episodes. Probably, I don't know, you think we can catch up by next week? Probably. How many are there? There was a lot. I think there was like 20. No, not yet. I'm pretty sure there were. I mean, yeah, I think there were a lot of episodes. Okay. Listen, okay. I got, listen, I'm down. It's fine. But yeah. Listen, all I'm doing is working out. You know, I've got the time. You know, I've got the time. We'll get as close as we can to catching up. But we have watched the first three episodes of Below Deck Med and we have some thoughts. Boy, do we have some thoughts. So for all of you who are watching the show, Know that, yes, we have a lot to go. These are many weeks behind early takes on Below Deck Med. And if you haven't watched the show, stick with us throughout this podcast because a lot of what we're going to talk about isn't necessarily related to the show. I have some life questions mm -hmm. and a theory that I want to throw at Steve. So Steve, since you are a first-time Bravo viewer, I'm going to give you the floor first. What are your observations from Below Deck Med? I get why people get addicted to this show. Right? And, and I get why people get get addicted to reality television and shows like this and Bravo shows to begin with because you just get sucked in. They do such a good job of teasing the stupid drama oh. on the show and it very rarely ever pays off, but they no, do no. a great job in the teases. Oh, I gotta stick around and make sure I see what this, for example, the third episode that we just watched, the tease to the fourth episode, they do this picnic outside and then all this shit starts going haywire. And then all of a sudden you see this girl bleeding on her leg and you're like, oh my God, why is there blood? What's happening right now? What's happening? And it's probably going to be like a very minor cut and it's not going to be a big deal at all. But the tension is, it's there. They do a really good job of building up this drama. My question to you is, how real is this? How real are, yeah, this has yeah. to be scripted. There's no know. way, where do they find these people then? Because they're all on insane. Boats. They're all on yachts. The yachting world's crazy. Okay, just like the real housewives, these are real people that let cameras into their lives. And I have listened to many a podcast with Andy Cohen who talks about the housewives and says that they have no control over the editing and that these are their real lives. Of course, there are certain storylines. And of course, it's human nature, I think, to act maybe a, a little more hyperbolic you kind of inflate your personality probably when you know the cameras are rolling. But I think the majority of it is pretty real. And by the way, you want tension and you want teases. You just wait till Steve, you get into the real housewives of Potomac and the tease for next week is one of the wives, husbands where pictures of him and his underwear with a different girl gets leaked onto uh, the blogs. Okay? okay. You're going to tune in next week. I can promise you that. Well, th this is part two of my assessment, my okay. quick assessment and our overall 3000 foot view of, of the show and reality shows and Bravo television in general. I hate drama. You know this about me. I don't like <laughs> drama. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like when people are fighting each other. I don't like when people are talking shit behind everyone else's back and everyone knows about it. I don't like when one person's being picked on. So it's addictive to watch because you want to know what's going to happen next. I'm constantly uncomfortable in how they portray some of these characters. Okay, you said these people don't have control over the editing, right? Of how they're right. perceived on the show. And one of the main, I guess, what, antagonists of the show is this girl, Laura, or Lara, or they couldn't figure out her name because she's Italian. She kept pronouncing La it very extremely. Lara. And listen, by all accounts, she sucks. She sucks. She was a terrible employee. She was a shitty human being. And she didn't listen to authority. And she constantly was questioning her boss. 
But who knows? Maybe they edited that in a way where she was actually not that wrong. She ends up leaving the boat and everything. It's this whole drama thing. Pete, by the way, worst character on the entire show. He's even worse than Lara. I got um, some thoughts on Pete. Don't you? Don't yeah. you? Worry. I got some thoughts on Pete. But because remember Kristen Cavallari, for example, like we're big, you know, Jay and Kristen fans, RIP to their marriage, you know, whatever. Yeah. But she seems like she's doing fine. And so is he. But she always has said that she didn't realize that she was the villain on the show on Laguna Beach, The Hills, until she saw the post edit. She didn't realize that that's who she was going to be cast as. And that's just how it turned out, which sucks. Okay, but that show's fake. That uh, show was scripted. Uh, okay. Google it. They've, they've admitted it. That show was fake. This is different. This is, is it though? It I is. feel like it's I'm different. watching the female version of, we were talking about pro wrestling last week. I feel like I'm watching the, the female version of pro wrestling is Brava TV. Okay, well, maybe that's true. And if so, apologies to wrestling guy. <laughs> You're in a wrestling guy now. Yeah. Maybe I'm dating wrestling guy now. <laughs> Actually, I think I really do need to give a, my bad dude to wrestling guy because this is kind of that same version. You know, some of it's probably not real, but you're hooked anyway. Yeah, that's actually, I hadn't thought of this until I just said it right now. And actually it is true. It is, yeah. It's very true. And so, I don't like either of them. So it's not surprising to me. Now I'm going to keep watching the show because it's, it's an easy show to watch. It's stupid. Yeah. It's mindless. You can just breeze right through it. All the characters are, are pretty dumb if we're being honest. And, but in, in an entertaining-ish kind of way, most of them. I, sh- I like the captain. I don't know her name. Which captain I like Sandy. Her. Runs she's, tight ship. I like her. Literally, she runs a tight ship. Don't mess with her. Yeah, so I like her, but overall, I'm just, the whole thing stresses me out because you know me, I don't, I don't like drama. I don't love all this, uh, everyone's talking about others back and there's problems with so-and-so and, you know, we've had a couple too many drinks and someone starts talking a little bit too loudly and then everyone gets in each other's faces. You know that's not who I am and it makes me uncomfortable. Well, buckle up, Steve. Get your life vest on because this is the early season. You just wait till there are four charters in. The drama is going to intensify and you're going to love it. My friends and I have a theory that watching The Housewives has made us better friends because we only talk shit about the housewives on the group text and not about anybody else we know. It's not, oh, have you seen so-and-so or her husband to gain 30 pounds? It's, oh my God, did you read on page six that it's Cynthia Bailey's Real Housewives of Atlanta bachelorette party that two of them slept with the stripper? <laughs> That's our form of gossip. It's to talk about these people. So actually, it might make you a better friend. That's how, and I'm not trying to gender stereotype, that's like dudes at the water cooler the next day talking about Monday Night Football. Like, that's what you guys do with your friends. Or like, can you imagine throwing that interception in that point? Like, guys who've never even, who aren't athletic at all, couldn't even lift a 10-pound weight over the top of their heads or being like, how stupid of a throw was that? What an idiot. And you're like, yeah, he's a professional athlete, dude. Figure it out. But that's what dudes at the water cooler talking about how shitty a player was the night before on Monday Night Football is the equivalent of women talking shit about one of the characters or whatever on, on a Bravo television show. And dudes too. Trust me, a lot of my girlfriend's husbands are really into the housewives now. So Rosillo likes Below Deck. He's told me that for a while. I told you that for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was more open to giving this a shot. I get Below Deck. I get the appeal of it. I don't think I'd ever like a housewife show. It's not for me. It's not catered to me. My sister loves it. Ever. You love it. I'm sure Maddie loves it as well. Not for me. Normally with our guests, we do kind of the Jeopardy style things on the board. So I have three things for you surrounding below deck. So I'm going to give you the Jeopardy style things on the board. Okay. Love it. Would you like observations on members of the crew? Would you like a real life question or would you like my theory on why you should like below deck more than you do? Give me the first one. Give me your observations first. Cause then okay. I think that'll well, that'll round out the rest of the conversation. Okay. So 
I have watched not every season of Below Deck Med, but I have watched seasons prior. And I think if you had watched seasons prior, you might have viewed the Laura Hannah drama just a little differently. Okay, let me ask you that question. That's a good thing because is it the same cast every year? No, some people come back. Captain Sandy has been on before. Big Captain um, Sandy fan. She's the best. Uh, Hannah has been on before, but everybody else is new. But some, sometimes the chef is the oh, same. They, they the, other, the other girl uh, who's head of the deck crew, they talked about how she's been on the show. Or she's at least worth the Captain Sandy before, I think she said. So some of them are there, some of them are not. Okay, right. good. let's clarify that. Good. Okay, so Hannah is the chief stew, as she likes to say. And by the way, she's been oh. a lousy, as Bugsy said many seasons ago, she had been a lousy chief stew before, okay? She hooked up with one of the with charter guests, which you cannot do. It was the primary charter guest. You cannot do that. So she did that. She had a season where she was going through some stuff and was basically lazy and didn't do anything. So she's always been on a power trip. She loves to start stuff with people. She loves to feel disrespected. And so you knew this was coming. You knew as soon as this girl came in and all the guys were paying attention to her and she said I had been a chief stew before and I know what I'm doing that Hannah was going to pick a fight with her you knew it was happening can I just say that chief stew and second stew is it's I hate it I hate the verbiage period it sounds so lame oh this is my second stew anyway so can't stand like it bosun either nope nope I don't like <laughs> the only thing I like is captain captain no uh, whatever yeah captain sandy okay so that's about Hannah Hannah is always wound really tight ready to pounce as much as Laura sucked, Lara, Laura, Laura, whatever, Lara. sucked, you can tell Hannah sucked too, but she just sucked yeah. less in this particular three episode span. Okay. Pete, from the second Pete opened his mouth Ugh. and he said the unit had arrived, I was out. Then he said, <laughs> <laughs> then when he said, I forgot about that. Yeah. When he said, I took the 23andMe test and it came back 100% unit, I would have immediately, and I mean immediately, kicked him off the boat. I would have been like, are you serious? Okay, you're serious? You gotta go. I'm sorry. Thank you for your time. We'll reimburse you for your time. Not travel. gonna work out. This is just not gonna work out for us. When he said, I took a DNA test and it came back 100% unit, I'm done with you. I also was done with him the first time that he called Malia sweetie. No, oh, God. I was no. done with him when he talked about dominoes, like how he was impressed that someone ran do a domino chain in his it, town. And then he said, I was inspired because if a woman can do it, I can do it. He was trying to compliment how women in 2020 can do whatever they want. It's this whole new world. But in some, in some way, shape, or form, he flipped that around and was disrespecting women by saying, hey, if this woman in my town can own nine dominoes and anybody can do it. It's like, dude, what is, what is happening? Right. And then he proved that he's the biggest bitch on deck. And I mean that in a, a disparaging Literally, way. Literally, yeah. When Laura left after one day and he's crying, weeping on the dock, saying, I can't believe she left. This is always happens to me, blah, blah, blah. As uh, the other guy on the boat said, you knew her 12 hours. You didn't know her last name. You barely knew her. Get your shit together. I'd also like to point out that when he brings her suitcase out, he says, oh, I slipped my card in there. Give me a call. And she says, maybe. When he gets back onto the boat, he's telling the other guy, like, oh, I slipped my card in there and told her to call me. And she said she would, which is not what happened, dude. She said maybe, which is definitely a no. She's not going to call you. She's not going to call you. He's constantly trying to impress everyone to be the yeah. coolest person in the room. And he's just, he's actually the opposite of that. He's the one that I would want to hang out. I would rather spend the entire four days with Laura than I would with Pete. I mean, she's Italian and seems pretty cool. She would just want to drink wine and rip cigs. I mean, she seems like she she definitely rips some cigs. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm always surprised. I mean, maybe you aren't, but I'm always surprised at the amount of people that smoke cigarettes because I don't know that many people that smoke cigarettes, but there are a lot of people that smoke cigarettes. So. 
But I was never more surprised about that than when I first went to college and everybody smoked cigarettes. And I was like, what the hell? Where's this coming from? See, I, I think the total opposite. I don't know anybody from college that smokes cigarettes, but I wasn't surprised she did because she's European. Yeah, it's true. Europeans Heater love heaters. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a collection of countries that love heaters. That's it's really true. how you would describe it. Okay, so Jessica, uh, you yeah. know, she starts out naming all of these various jobs that she had in the service industry. And so I thought, okay, she's going to be a good worker. She's going to know her way around this joint. And she has no idea what she's doing. Nope. She's like, spicy margarita? I don't know about that. Where's the pantry? Don't know where that is. So you must have been a terror. The reason you've had this many jobs in the service injury is probably because you got fired because you don't know what you're doing. She also made a margarita with 90% tequila. So <laughs> she counted to right? eight and then that was the that was her pour. That was her pour. Okay. I love Captain Sandy because she is such a boss. She takes zero shit, but she's very even and she's encouraging. But when you push her, watch out. She's a great leader. She's a great leader. You always know where you stand with her. She doesn't mess around. You could joke with her, but also if you step out of line, you know you're going to get an ass chewing. She's the perfect kind of boss. Perfect. She is is the best boss. And then last person I want to touch on, Steve, is Kiko. I love Kiko the chef. Best character in the show. Best character. (laughs) I I love that he cooks his food with love. I love that he casually plays the guitar on the side. I love that he's so proud of his heritage and he's just happy all the time. And there has been some temperamental chefs on deck before. And I love the happy Brazilian and Kiko. Kiko early was my favorite and that has continued throughout the first three episodes. By far my favorite character. He is a little bit weird. I don't know if it's the Brazilian thing or the cultural thing. He's definitely a little bit of a a little off, I think. Yeah. He's a little bit of an oddball, but you know, what's so funny is being the chef on anywhere, but on a cruise ship or not a cruise ship on a yacht like this, I think is the easiest and simultaneously hardest job of all of them, right? Because oh, it's definitely the hardest. You're probably working the least amount and it's not always stressful, but when it's mealtime, it's stressful to get the stuff out on time to make like when they were one place short, it was this whole big deal. And I'm like, I can't handle this. I couldn't do that. It would, I would have a panic attack and I would, I wouldn't be able to be on the boat anymore. But I thought it was so ridiculous. The first guest that came on, they kept complaining about the food and Captain Sandy kept trying and be like, oh, this is banging. Oh, this is really good. So they kept complaining about the food, but then the captain would try and she's like, this is amazing. So I'm like, why is this guy so damn picky about the food? And then I wanted to ask you, would you ever feel comfortable? Because my mother-in-law is like this and it makes me incredibly, I love my mother-in-law. Shout out Tara. She's an amazing human being. But one of the things that makes me so uncomfortable, she is not afraid to tell a waiter or a waitress that the food is cold, that it's salty, or that it's generally bad. Whereas me, I would just eat that whole thing, even if it was the worst thing I've ever had. And I would tell you it was great. Because I'm just uncomfortable. Again, I don't like confrontation. So where do you stand on that? Because I would never tell a chef that their food is bad. I would. If I'm the paying customer, I would send it back. Now, I think I've done it once in my entire life. And I was very nervous. And I was like, are you going to spit in this? But they brought it out to me and it was wrong. You know, I said, no mushroom. And there's mushrooms on there. It's one of the three things on planet earth. I don't eat. So I have to send it back. You know, I think if you do it with tact and you do it respectfully, there's no way to do it respectfully though. There's, it's always awkward. There's no way, even if you try to be nice about it, then it seems like you're being patronizing. If you're mean about it, clearly that's just not the way to go. There's no way to do it correctly because it's always going to be uncomfortable. And then the waitress or the waiter is instantly like, Oh my God, let me fix this for you. And the rest of the night it's uncomfortable because you complain about your food. See, I disagree because only that first primary charter guest, AKA Pitbull, I just called him Pitbull because he looked like Pitbull. Only Pitbull complained about the food, you know? And it was only because Captain Sandy kind of kept prodding him. Like, 
oh, do you like the steak? Oh, you, oh, okay. It's a He's little like, nope, dry. nobody's going to say it. It's dry. It's dry. And everyone's like, no, the steak is banging. And then, right. <laughs> and then he makes another we steak Kiko. and it's great. We love Kiko's food. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Shouts out to Kiko. By far the best character on the show. He also, he kept referring to, he's like, he's like, I got a girl. He wouldn't call her a girlfriend. I don't even know if they're actually dating. They had one picture of them in the water somewhere. Yeah. But it was a very vague relationship that I almost feel like he may have made up. That's very Brazilian of him, you know, just like it is what it is. But I will say this about being the chef. You're right about the pace of their day. It's like you're in no pads practice in the NFL and then boom, it's a two minute drill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like the two minute warning and it's the fourth quarter and you've got to score. It's time management skill that I just don't have. Even cooking for two people at my, but you know, for me and my wife at my house, having everything come out warm at the same time is not, is, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible for me. I just don't do right. it well. Something's inevitably going to be cold. To do that for eight people, no, no way. That's why we have Thanksgiving and big holidays always at my uncle's house because he has a huge kitchen and he has two ovens, a top mm. and bottom. So we can cook things. The turkey can go in one, the sides can go in the other. Because if not, I don't even... The thought of getting married and having kids and knowing that one day I will have to host a Christmas is enough to get me on a Xanax prescription because that is such an important day. It's like the day of the year. And if you're hosting, the food has to be on point and it has to come out at the right temps, the right times. There's just a lot that goes in there. So shout out to all the people who do the cooking for the holidays, especially things like Thanksgiving and Christmas. You are the real MVPs because that is not an easy job. It really isn't. Maddie and I did it for the first time, I believe last Christmas. And you can't enjoy yourself. There's constantly just shit happening. And you're just like, is somebody have enough to drink? Is the food warm right. enough? What are the dogs doing? Um, is there enough room for everyone to sit? You're just constantly thinking about shit instead of just sitting on your couch and relaxing. And even if it's family, even if it's people that you know well, you just can't relax. It's impossible. So yeah, shouts out. Those are the real MVPs. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> well, congrats to you for executing it once. I'm impressed. Big adult step. Yep. Okay, so next on the board, we have the reason why you should like Below Deck and my question to you, real life question. Let's do real life question because we can sum it up with why I should like it more than okay. I do. All right, so here's the question. So you talked about Hannah and Lara. They clearly had friction. They had differing personalities. They had different approaches to life. And it got me thinking, Steve. Here's the question about a workplace environment because I've heard both things be said. You cannot say both are true. You have okay. to give me what you think is more important, okay? As an employee, do you have to acquiesce to your manager style or should a manager learn to manage based on individual personalities? Because Hannah was very tough on her, but she is the boss, right? So the natural line of thinking is whatever your boss tells you to do, you do. But Laura was very open with her and said, hey, when you're rude to me, my personality style is that I'm going to shut down and you're going to get less out of me. So I need you to be nicer to me and clean your shit up so that we can collaborate together. So it got me thinking, which one is more important? You put me in a weird position because as much as I think Laura was in the wrong I tend to believe that good managers, and this is why I said before that I don't think Hannah, I thought Hannah wasn't blameless in this situation. She was just, to a lesser degree, a terrible person. Um, whereas Laura was just like a huge bitch the entire time. But generally speaking, I tend to think that managers need to adjust to their employees, to the people that they oversee, because managers are supposed to be a top-down sort of mentality of how you deal with people and the overall mood of the group that you're dealing with. And if you're just a dick and that's, oh, this is the way I am, deal with it. 
I don't think that's going to breed a happy work environment. Like look at Phil Jackson, legendary Lakers coach, you know, your boy, Tony LaRusso. One of the best things that they do, arguably better than what they do as their job, X's and O's wise. One of the most important things that they do and the best thing that those two guys did was they managed personalities well and they got everyone to get along and pull in the same direction. That to me is the hardest thing to do in any manager's position. So I would say, I mean, listen, if you have someone like Lara who's just clearly an insubordinate and doesn't want to listen as a terrible employee, then no management style is probably going to solve her problems. But generally speaking, a manager needs to kind of change his style or her style to the people that she's, that the people underneath her. So I agree with you big time which is why I think Hannah was so much more in the wrong than Laura, because Laura was very open about the fact that she had been a chief stew before and she had great experience. And Hannah immediately tried to put her in her place by putting her on the worst shift. Then when she complained about it, it was like, ha, gotcha. Now you're complaining and you're disrespecting me. I'm going to attack you more and push you more. And then when she was straight up with her in the meeting with Captain Sandy and was like, I do not respond well to this. I need you to adjust the way that you're managing me so that we can collaborate. Hannah was sitting over there with her hands. She was squeezing them. She was angry that she would even question her in any way. And I thought, if you want to be a good leader, you need to listen to the people underneath you and you need to show them respect if you expect respect in return. You're right. And all the points you bring up are great points. But the thing that I would push back on you as to why Laura could never even be managed is because look at what happened when Captain Sandy came in and when she was being super sarcastic to Captain Sandy, who's the best. Yeah, I was wrong. So I don't think there's anything that they could have done at that point to even save that situation. It was long gone. Lara was just going to be a huge bitch the entire time and she wasn't going to listen. And she just bailed at everyone essentially, which is kind of wild. So I get what you're saying. But again, if we're doing blame pie here, which we love doing blame pie. Love blame pie. It's probably 70, 30 Lara, but there's a 30% chunk that I would blame Hannah for what happened. I think it's dead split 50, 50. Wow. Mm. I would want Hannah to be my boss. I wouldn't. He came in guns blazing because context, the last one I watched, there was a girl named Bugsy who had been a chief stew before and the entire time was pushing Hannah being like, you're not a great chief stew. You're a lousy chief stew. If I was in charge, I would have done this. So she was using her past experience and projecting it on Laura and was trying to put her in her place and counting her out and assuming that she was going to be a certain way before she even did it. So she basically created the environment for Laura okay. to be the way that she was. I have the perfect way to sum this up, though. Okay. Would you rather be Hannah having to deal with Laura, or would you rather be Laura having to deal with Hannah? I would rather be Hannah having to deal with Laura, because I'm in charge, and I have a direct pipeline to Captain Sandy. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and because in that situation... If I feel like I really tried to manage you my best and it didn't work out and I went to Captain Sandy and said, hey, this just isn't working out, I think I get the benefit of the doubt. Whereas if I'm Lara and I'm like, Hannah's being a bitch, she clenched her fish and almost punched me in the face, I think Captain Sandy would be like, well, she's a chief stew. I'm taking her side over yours. So aren't you then agreeing with me then that it's easier to be, well... Maybe you're not then. I'm trying to figure out how I flip this on myself. I think myself. it's difficult in, in both ways, but I just know that I've been managed in my career terribly before where it's almost laughable how bad it was. 
and I've been managed really well. And think about the people that we had as managers at ESPN and the way they treated you a certain way, they treated me a certain way based on our emotional needs and our capabilities and what pushes our buttons. Liam, our manager, shout out, we love him. He knew that I had to be challenged and I had to be learning all the time. So part of my initiatives that he set up for me was that I had to meet with people outside the department to keep me stimulated and excited about my job and not get burnt out, you know? And Liam knew that I wanted to be left alone most of the time. And yes. that whenever I needed something, he would be there and I would ask him a ton of questions. But typically, I want to be left alone. And he did exactly. that. That's why Liam was a great manager. Great manager. But he knew that we were different. He knew that if I was left alone, I would start to be like, am I doing something wrong? What's going on? I'm burnt out because our jobs are pretty intense. And he knew that if he said to you, Steve, one of your initiatives, you have to meet with four people <laughs> outside the department every quarter, you'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So that's what I, makes a good leader. And I think that Hannah dropped the ball. I don't think Hannah wants to be a good leader. I think she just wants to do her job and have everybody bow down to her all the time. And that's I think there's leader. an inferiority complex there. Yeah. There's a, I'm the boss kind of thing. Listen to me, even if I'm wrong. But I have that millennial attitude because I always just talk about this back in the day. It's like, if I was in World War II, right? And you were given an order specifically, like, remember back in the day, like you got an order and you just follow the order. You didn't ask questions about the order. It was well, like, it's hey, war, Steve. It's if we're, if we're, well, I'm, I'm just hypothetical. I'm using the example. If you're like, hey, we're storming Normandy today, guys. This is it. Here's the time, whatever. I would be like, well, no, I want some background. Why are we storming Normandy? How many people are going to be there? Should we storm Normandy later in the day? Is there going to be a better advantage for us there? Is it going to rain? I want to know all of the details. Whereas back then, some people, some bosses, you give an order and that's it. It doesn't matter. It's like Gronk, for example. Gronk works so well in New England because Gronk is a meathead who didn't ask any questions. If Bill Belichick told him to butt his head against the wall 20 times, he would butt his head against the wall 20 times and not ask a question to say, yes, coach, what could I do next? Whereas I think a lot of millennials like myself would be like, well, that's stupid. Why would I do that? So a long way of saying it's hard to manage people, especially now. And a person like Hannah was the old school type of boss, which is just like, if I give you an order, do it and don't ask any questions. And that doesn't fly with everybody. It doesn't fly with everybody. So she needs to be a better chief stew, in my opinion. Well, they both need to be better, period. They're well, both terrible at their job. Laura's gone, so she's out. <laughs> yeah, she got the chop. Well, she chopped herself, I guess. So finally, Steve, we have left on the board the reason why I think you should love Below Deck Med. And here it is. Being in the crew on the super yacht is essentially the same as producing a live show. And hear me out. So when hmm. their primary guests come, when their guests come, they're given a preference sheet, okay? So the guests are essentially the hosts of the show, and the preference sheet is the content that you're supposed to execute that day. And just like a boat and a super yacht, you're cruising through the show trying to execute everything that was set out on the sheet, and you're putting out fires, and you're trying to make things work, and you're trying to work in concert with your crewmates, and everybody's supposed to do their job, but you're constantly communicating, and inevitably something goes wrong. There's breaking news. The guests say, hey, I know we said we didn't want the water toys, but guess what? Now we want all the water toys, and we want them now. So you have to lug it out. And at the end of the day, you have to, as a producer, make sure that you execute everything on the sheet, but also make your hosts look good. And that's the guests too. You have to make them excited to be there. You have to make sure that they shine. And think about it. We get them food, Steve. How many times did you have to get a chicken rice avocado plate? I mean, we essentially were chief stews and bosuns that we didn't even know it. Well, I like the comparison. I think I have a better one. And it's why I actually don't <laughs> want to like the show and definitely wouldn't want to have that be my job. It reminded me more of being a camp counselor at a kid's camp. That's what it is, except when you're doing it with adults. I 
worked at a YMCA camp growing up. Most of my summers at college were me, you know, teaching golf to little kids or sports or whatever, or, you know, going hiking or going in the pond, whatever. You do more babysitting, I think, in the camp stuff, but you have to make sure everyone's meal is all set. You're in charge of the schedules. As you said, let's get the water slide out because everyone wants to do a water slide now. It's basically like a kid's YMCA camp for adults who are super rich. And I think that even makes it worse because then you're catering to adults who you may or may not even like. And by the way, as we continue watching, one of the questions I was going to have was, do they hook up, which you already answered. They do hook oh, yeah. up with the people on the thing. I know they hook up with each other, like the fellow boatmates, but I didn't know if they hooked up with the people that actually pay to be on there, which I imagine that's a ton of drama too. But it's a grown-up version of a kid's summer camp. That's what it is. I'm telling you, it's just like the show and just like the show staff, certain members of the show staff, AKA you and I are closer than others. And there's all these little micro dramas that pop up. Teams form sometimes. And just like in a show staff and on a boat, while people hook up, it always causes drama and it's always strictly forbidden. You don't want to do that because it's never going to end well. I'm telling you, there's way more parallels and similarities in the fact that working on a super yacht is totally like producing a radio or TV show. Would you rather be a waitress at a nice restaurant, a stewardess on an airplane, or a head stew or whatever the equivalent of that is on a, <laughs> on a yacht? Oh, I'm taking chief stew on a yacht all day long because if I'm in a restaurant, I'm stuck in a restaurant. You're all the same level. You're not like a boss on the plane, but you're like no. a lower level. You're the same level on all three. But if you're on the yacht, you get to taste the fresh air. You're going outside. You're looking at the beautiful coast of Spain. I mean, I 100% would always take the yacht because of the scenery and the location. I think you're right, actually. I do think you're right, even though I push back a little bit. I know, and I've never worked at a restaurant because I know I'd be terrible at working at a restaurant. I have a terrible memory. I don't remember anyone's order. I'm not a great people person. And I'm worried about touching my own food, let alone touching other people's food and just being generally around people and having to please everyone all the time. I would be a terrible waiter, period, end of story. That's why I've never done it. And then I've never understood the appeal other than, I guess, traveling of being a stewardess or uh, whatever the male equivalent. What is, there, what is the male equivalent? Flight attendant. Flight attendant. Okay, there you go. I've never understood the appeal of that other than the fact that, like, yeah, I guess you get to like, travel to a bunch of different places. But the job yeah. itself seems pretty terrible. And people, I would argue, act their worst on airplanes. So you have to deal with some of the shittiest people that you're going to deal with in everyday life because you're at an airport or on an airplane. So I think yeah. you're probably right. You deal with less people on the boat. They're rich. There's less people to have to deal with. And you get the fresh air. You're, I mean, especially if you're in Mallorca. I mean, my goodness, what's up? And you get a decent amount of time off. The boat is probably the best way to go. And not only that, if you work in a restaurant, your tip is probably 20% of one table. If you're working as a flight attendant, you're not getting tips. You saw the tips that they're getting. They're getting like 1,500 euros per charter. Yeah, but they can't be making that much money in general, right? You, I mean, I don't know. I wonder which one makes the most money. I feel like a flight attendant would probably make the most money. Find out. Stand by. How much money? Because all those people are like contract jobs. I would imagine a waiter or waitress is the least. Okay. Here we go. Superyachtcrewagency.com. <laughs> Shouts out. <laughs> okay. So is this per charter? I think this is probably per charter. So the captain can make on a 45 to 55 meter boat up to 15 grand per charter. I think this is per charter. How long is the charter, too? Two days, I, I think. Yeah, days. so it's not a week. It's not quite a week. Okay. That's a lot of money. So the bosun go. can make up to six grand. The head chef can make between five and nine grand. And the chief stew, stewardess, 
can make between 4,500 and 6,500. And again, I'm assuming that this is per charter and not per season. And think about that. If you're doing nine of those, that can add up. And it's now, just for a season. It's just a season. Yeah, that's decent. But then you'd probably have to work you know, year round to make a solid ends meet. Let me ask you this too, because this is my last sort of observation and question for you about it. Okay. Obviously, if you're super rich and you could ball out and throw a couple hundred grand on a, on a boat trip, yeah, I'd probably do it. But I don't think being on a yacht and renting out a yacht like that would be on my priority list of things I would want to do if I had a ton of money. Um, yeah, probably not me either. So I went on one cruise and I know it's totally different than a super yacht and hated it. I hated being stuck on the boat the whole time. If I go somewhere, I want to experience the place. And yes, they dock and they get time to go do things. If I had 200K to burn, I don't think I'm renting a super yacht. I'd rather rent out like a dope ass house somewhere. Yeah. On like an island and be by myself. And yeah, I guess you don't get the wait staff and people don't wait on you. But we don't have I, a wait staff at your house. I'd be uncomfortable just having this whole crew around while I'm just trying to enjoy myself. I don't know. I don't think I'd be able to enjoy myself if I'm having people. And maybe this is a poor person in me where I'm like, I don't know if I can enjoy myself if people are waiting on me. But I mean, I guess that's an issue of the rich, but I would much rather uh, just rent out an island and just be by myself. But then I guess that's, that's on brand for me. That's a personality trait. Do you remember when I was in Thailand and I came back and I said, butlers are the shit. I wish I had a butler. Remember we had Sean the butler at my <laughs> villa and it was amazing. Yeah. I would wake up and Sean would be like, Michelle, I noticed that you loved this dish yesterday for breakfast. I can have the chef whip it up for you. Or would you like some fresh fruit? And I'm like, bring the dish, Sean. What do we have today? And he would be like, Michelle, your wine looks a little low. I'm going to top it up. I was like, thank you, Sean. He'd be like, Michelle, your shoulders are getting a little red. Here's some sunscreen. I'm like, thank you for worrying about my well-being, Sean. I mean, it was amazing. If I had the money, first I would get a chef. Then I would definitely chef. get a butler. Definitely would, get a butler. Chef, okay, great point. Chef, most important thing we said Wait, the last podcast. On. Should we power rank our top three if we were rich enough to go on a super yacht, things that we would want in our lives? Yeah. I think I could do this off the top of my head. I mean, one would be island. I'd want to be on an island. I want to rent an no, island. No, no, no. I mean, people that you could have in your life, like a chef or a trainer. Oh, or oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, chef is one for both of us, probably, right? I'll let you go first. You give your three. Chef Unless is, you want me to go first because I have my. Let's, well, let's talk this thing out because I, I I'm open to other ideas. Chef is 100% one on, I think, my list and definitely your list, right? Number one chef without even a question in my mind. Number two, I think it's easy to say trainer because they would motivate you and they would get you to do stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily do and you don't have to be around them all the time. I trainer probably be two. Okay. Is that two for you? No, for me, two is a hairdresser or a makeup artist. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I hate doing my hair. I hate doing my makeup. I'm not good at it. And anytime I've gotten my hair or my makeup done for events or for shows that I've had to do, it's been such a treat and such a delight. I look like a completely different person when I'm done. I'm like, wow, you have transformed me. Congratulations. And you just sit there the whole time. You can shoot off emails. You can read a book. It's really an hour that you can do whatever you want as long as you sit in this chair. Yeah, I've seen all the people, all the women at ESPN that you know get hair and makeup done. It seems like a godsend, whereas the average people that just have to do it themselves, it's an incredible waste. Not as a waste of time, but it's time it consuming. This and it takes a lot of work. And yeah. I don't do it well. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I don't think I don't have enough hair and, you know, sort of aesthetic, need aesthetic needs to need that. But I totally understand why you would guess that. Let me tell you what I think is really over overrated because I don't know if I have a third yet, but I don't want a driver. I like driving places. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want a driver either. But you know what my number three would be with, without question is a personal assistant. 
I would want someone to have to remember all my errands for me. I would want someone to be like, go get the dry cleaning, pick up flowers for my mm-hmm. friend who just had a baby and respond to these emails and tell them, no, I can't make it. And don't give them a reason why I just say I can't go. That's a really, really good one. Just a general person to do all of your odds and ends tasks that yeah. you don't want to do. I'm going do. on this trip, pack for me. I'm going to hire an intern and just that person can do my, th- I'm not going to pay you, but if anyone's looking to just do my odds and ends tasks, I am hiring an intern right now. It'd be um, a great recommendation. To close this out, we're going to just come full circle. See, on the Real Housewives of New York, Bravo show, Sonia Morgan, who is married to JP Morgan, she's MBD, totally loaded, have many millions of dollars in this killer New York City townhouse. After they got divorced, she essentially had a deal with one of the universities in New York where they would send her college students who would be her interns and essentially just do her bidding for her for college credit for some reason. And she had a girl that worked for her for a long time that was on the show named Pickles. And Pickles just did whatever she said. It was like, go pick up cookies from Levine. Hey, I need to get a facial. Make an appointment for me. Call Bethany and tell her I can't make it out to the Hamptons to walk my dog in Central Park. These are the things that Pickles had to do for college credit was unbelievable. I'm going to be honest and people are going to judge me for this. Maddie does a lot of that stuff for me, which is pretty great. Oh, well maybe you need to be her intern. Okay. I do things too, but she, I, no, no, no. I do things around the house. I play my part. I chip in. I do my fair share. Let's not get this confused. But Maddie is an organizer. She loves organizing she things. Is. She, she and I am not. I am not. I am a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. Like wake up and feel like whatever I'm doing, that's what I'm going to do today. She's a planner. So she plans things for me. It makes her feel better. It makes her feel co- more comfortable about our life. So I let her do that. Now, does she always love doing it? Probably not, but she does like that. So Listen, I mow the lawn, I cook a lot. I do plenty of things around the house, but Maddie does do a lot of my organizing for me and it is a godsend. Well, you are lucky because- I, I am lucky. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you I wasn't. All right, well, let's get to a review, Steve. This one is titled Fruit Draft Objections, five stars. Okay. It says, love the pod and mostly agree with the top of the fruit draft. However, I do believe if you took a poll of 100 people to name fruits that come to mind, avocado would come up on the list way before something like guava would. Mm-hmm. Michelle to ban the avocado mid-draft, in all caps, mid-draft, for not being quote-unquote traditional, was unfair to Saruti, who clearly based his draft strategy on the sixth mm-hmm. man of the year favorite that is the avocado book great work. That might have been the best review we've ever had because he is right. It totally fucked up my draft strategy because that was going to be my ace in the hole. It's going to be, oh my God, avocado. It's so versatile. It's amazing. It's good for you. And you just nixed it. And then I didn't even have, I had to pick blackberries last because I didn't have another pick. I only had like 10 things down. I had to go with lemon, okay? And if you want avocado, I'm going tomato. And I see your avocado and I raise you a tomato. So we just have to keep those neutrals out of there. Mm. If it can go in a taco salad, Steve, it doesn't belong in a fruit draft. I disagree. I really do. I, I think avocado was the exception that sort of should have proved my rule. And if I had avocado, I would have won that thing in a freaking landslide. But unfortunately, I was, I was told I couldn't do that. So shouts out to this listener. Shouts out to the review because you're 100% right. It screwed me up. You won anyway, Steve. Chris Long, the fruit draft commissioner, already anointed you the winner. So I don't know why you're complaining. This is true. It should have been more of a landslide than it actually was. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Steve, as always. We will be back in action next week. But until then, don't call your female bosses, sweetie. Yeah, fuck out of here, Pete. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.